Welcome to my hometown, filled with murder, mysteries, the paranormal, and a fair share of hauntings. This is Local Legends. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host, Lark. If you're new here, welcome. Basically, how this podcast works is every Sunday I discuss with you all local stories ranging from true crime to the paranormal from my small hometown, Brown County, in Indiana most of which will be sourced from the local paper, the Brown County Democrat. And then, at the end of the podcast, I will open it up to listener stories. You can send your own hometown stories to locallegendswithlark at gmail.com. As always, all of the articles used for this episode will be linked in the description, should you want to check them out for yourself. Alright, let's get into it. So today's story is one that is very interesting, horrific, and confusing, I will preface this by saying, uh, trigger warning, we will be talking about murder and drug use, and I will try to keep it as not graphic as I can, but this was from police reports in the newspaper, and so I just, I make no promises, and I just wanted to give that forewarning. So this news story is called Body Wrapped in Plastic. There were a lot of articles and a lot of research I had to do to get the timeline straight. So we're going to be kind of approaching this the same way we did the arson at the Opry episode. If you haven't listened to that, I would highly recommend checking it out. But I'm going to be modeling this episode very similarly to that one in that I made like a bullet point list of the timelines and as much details as I could find just to try to get the track straight as to exactly what happened, who was involved, and that sort of thing. So let's start from the beginning. This was initially from an article in the Brown County Democrat dated uh, February 9th. Police received a phone call at 11.30 a.m. on Monday, February 8th. The caller requested that the police do a wellness check on a home located at the 7,000 block of Hicks Road, as the caller had heard that someone may have died there on Saturday, February 6th. Six sheriffs responded to the scene, and the only person there at the house when the sheriffs arrived was 54-year-old Michael Hazelgrove. Police requested to be let into the house, but Hazelgrove wouldn't let them in for several minutes. He later claimed to have not heard them. Twenty minutes later, he had to let his dogs out and then let the sheriffs in. Once inside the house, the deputies discovered a body of a man wrapped in plastic in one of the three bedrooms in the house. The body was near Hazel Grove's recliner. At the time of this article, the identity of the victim was not known, nor was the cause of death. Police did state that they believed that Hazel Grove had been with the body since Saturday, February 6th. The Brown County Sheriff's Department is investigating the murder and arrested Hazelgrove and Alicia Bussell, 36, who is noted as being from Stanford, Kentucky. Bussell was found and arrested on Monday, February 8th, a few miles down the road from Hazelgrove's home. Both Hazelgrove and Bussell were booked to the Brown County Jail on February 8th, and both are being held on no bond. Bustle is being booked on preliminary charges of murder, obstruction of justice, assisting a criminal, and conversion. Hazelgrove is being booked on preliminary charges of murder, obstruction of justice, and assisting a criminal. At the time of that article, no charges were officially filed. So this is now from an article in the Brown County Democrat dated uh, February 15th. 
which stated that the victim whose body was wrapped in plastic has been identified as 38-year-old Patrick Harper from Kentucky. He was shot to death on Saturday the 6th, and the cause of death was homicide. He died from a gunshot wound to the head. He was shot four times, three times in the head and once in the back. Hazelgrove and Bustle initially held without bond. After an initial hearing on the 15th, Hazelgrove's bond was set to $100,000. The judge stated that Hazelgrove had probable cause to charge him with felony-level assisting a criminal and obstruction of justice. The judge ordered that Bustle remain in jail with no bond. They had probable cause to charge her with the murder. Initial hearings of both Bustle and Hazelgrove were set for Friday, February 12th. Both Hazelgrove and Bustle appeared in court separately via Zoom. The court asked Bustle if she could afford an attorney, and through tears, Bustle told Prosecutor Wirt she was homeless and had not had a job for years and was receiving assistance from family. So then in another article from the Brown County Democrat published on the same day, February 15th, they stated that according to Bustle, she stole a car in Kentucky along with firearms, drove up to Brown County, Indiana to smoke meth with Hazelgrove. She then shot Patrick Harper, the victim, who had been her traveling companion from Kentucky. Bustle was formally charged with murder on February 11th. It had been a relative of Hazelgrove that had called into the police requesting a welfare check as Hazelgrove had told the relative that a man had been shot in his home by a woman. Hazelgrove had pointed out to the deputies that arrived to the scene of the crime Bustle's belongings, telling the deputies that Bustle had been the one responsible for the crime. Bustle was not there when the police arrived. She was at another home on the same road at the time of her arrest. When asked, Hazelgrove said he himself had not called police to report the crime because he figured he was already in trouble. He knew Bustle and had met her before. He did not know Patrick Harper, the victim. Hazelgrove was able to confirm that the shooting had taken place on Saturday, February 6th. According to the court hearing, below is the series of events. So here's where we're going to get into the actual timeline of what they could get together of what happened when the police arrived at the scene of the crime. When officers arrived to Hazelgrove's home, he had collected all of the shell casings, which were 9mm, and put them all into a bag. So those were the shell casings that were used to shoot the victim. The stolen vehicle, a white Ford Crown Victoria, was in the driveway of Hazelgrove's house. So when the police arrived, they could see the stolen vehicle. The Indiana State Police evidence technicians were the ones that processed the crime scene at the home. Hazelgrove and Bustle were taken to the Brown County Jail and interviewed by detectives. Hazelgrove told detectives that he had met Bustle two prior Thanksgivings ago and that she had been kicked out of her home, she was homeless, and he let her stay with him for a while. She then started dating someone that he knew. When Bustle and Harper arrived at his home on February 5th, Friday, February 5th, they immediately started smoking meth together. Bustle and Harper began arguing with each other and she threatened to hit Harper with a logging chain. The next morning, Saturday, February 6th, Hazelgrove got up early to take out the trash and heard several gunshots coming from his house. When he went back inside, he found Harper dead and Bustle holding the rifle. The rifle was a 9mm carbine rifle. According to detectives, this is a very uncommon gun. The gun was confirmed to be the one that Bustle had stolen from Kentucky. Hazelgrove claimed that Bustle had shot Harper because he had threatened to do something to her children. Hazelgrove then became very angry with Bustle and he told her he wasn't going to help her clean up the mess, to which Bustle told him that if he didn't, she'd shoot him too. 
Hazelgrove said he then helped Bustle wrap Harper's body in plastic and drag it into another room from the front door area where Harper had been initially shot. They then together cleaned up the scene. After a few hours, Bustle left and disappeared, leaving Hazelgrove with the body for two days. Hazelgrove told two people what had happened as he didn't know what to do. One of those people was the one that called the police requesting for a welfare check. The other person Hazelgrove told had been at the home when the shooting happened, but left right before it had happened. That person told police that he heard Bustle accuse Harper of stealing her belongings and that she was extremely verbally abusive to Harper. This person told police that he was not a fan of Bustle and that he saw her carrying the 9mm rifle along with several pistols. When the man had returned later to Hazelgrove's house, Hazelgrove told him that Bustle had screwed him over and that she had shot Harper and left. Police reported finding bloody materials, which was the site that Hazelgrove and Bustle had used to clean up and wrap the body in plastic. Hazelgrove had, was formally charged on February 11th with assisting a criminal, level 5 felony, and obstruction of justice, a level 6 felony. When Hazelgrove was asked in court whether he understood what was meant by assisting a criminal, Hazelgrove stated that he did not, and that his own life had been threatened had he not helped Bustle. It was then explained to Bustle that the charges meant that he had committed those acts, and that Hazelgrove was stated as saying he understood. Now we get to Bustle's official statements. Bustle told police that she had driven up to Indiana late on February 5th slash early February 6th. She initially said she had driven up with a friend but could not remember his last name. When asked who her friend was, Bustle then used the word was. Schrader noted that using past tense to refer to Harper indicated that she knew he was dead. Bustle was very inconsistent in her interviews with the police and did not have her facts straight at all. She claimed that she hadn't shot Harper and that she was under the impression that he had gone missing. She then went on to claim that after she left, she came back to the house and found Hazelgrove cleaning up the carpet with bleach, implying that he had been the one that had shot Harper. She did admit to stealing the car and firearms and that, of course, her DNA would be on the plastic the body was wrapped in because she had used the plastic to cover one of the car windows since one of the windows was supposedly busted in the car. She also admitted to having hit Harper with a logging chain on Friday, February 5th because Harper was being disrespectful to Hazelgrove. Bustle then requested a second interview with detectives as she claimed that in the initial interview, she had been high. In the second interview, she claimed that Hazelgrove had raped her, but when asked where the alleged rape took place, she changed the location four times. She also stated that she had consensual sex with Harper in the car. During the second interview, she also stated that she had been the one to kill Harper. She claimed that the gun went off magically in her hands and that Harper then began to yell because he had been shot and tried to reach for the black powder gun that was behind a chair so Bustle, Bustle then shot him two more times. Bustle said she did not know where Hazel Grove had been at the time of the shooting. Police then obtained a warrant to search the stolen Ford Victoria and found the rifle used to kill Harper in the trunk wrapped in a blanket. Police also found in the trunk a small pair of blood-soaked pants. While at the scene, police had noted seeing blood splatters on the ceiling above the front door and blood that had been partially wiped away near the front door. In one of the interviews with police, Bustle stated that she had shot someone else in Kentucky, but that they had survived. Police spoke to a sergeant with the Kentucky State Police about a case in which two men had been shot in the face about a year and a half ago. One man was killed and another was severely injured. The Kentucky State Police were unsure if charges had been filed in that case, according to the affidavit. 
A preliminary plea of not guilty was filed for both Hussell and Hazelgrove at their initial hearing on February 12th. Hazelgrove's trial is set for May 19th and Bustle's for May 12th. A murder charge carries a sentence between 45 to 65 years and a fine up to $10,000. So that's the story. There is a lot going on. A lot of he said, she said, I said, you said, who said, who knows. It sounds like the detectives did a very good job in uh, getting the story as straight as they could. And just, it's ridiculous to me that Bustle just kept going back and forth with police in the way that she did of claiming to not have known Harper. I mean, I guess at least she admitted to stealing the gun in the car. But the very fact that she was like, threatening Harper it feels like or seems like for days to kill him and like threatening other people in the home to shoot them and had shot two other people in Kentucky in the face you want to talk about specific and brutal crimes uh hello shooting someone in the face and the fact that she went out of her way to shoot the victim in this specific story four times three times in the back one time in the head it's just so ridiculously violent i mean i guess there's something to be said about uh just stay away from meth please uh don't do that be careful out there in terms of who you trust and if you're gonna do drugs Do it with people that you trust wholeheartedly and won't shoot you in the face or threaten to do so. I just, when I saw this story initially, it was just so crazy to me because, again, like, Brown County is a very small town and it does have a fairly severe issue with drugs, particularly meth. And so, you know, you see stories that are kind of like this, but not to this extreme. Like, I felt like this one in particular was just very violent and very dramatic and carjacking and and stealing firearms and shooting a person and wrapping their body in plastic and forcing someone to stick with that body for two days in their home. Like, this Hasselgrove guy, I mean, dude, like, why would you put yourself in that situation? You should have gone to police the minute that Bustle left the home. Why would you stay there with a dead body? I just, I don't get it, and I don't understand, but that was this week's story, as uh, horrific as it is. Next week, I'm trying to do a more chill episode, a less dramatic episode, a less violent episode, and we're returning back to my favorite portion of the Brown County Democrat, which is the local opinion letter. That's right, folks. We're going to be going back to that lovely section and tune in next Sunday to see where we go next. Bye.